Great to have Pastor Kevin P and Margaret with us this morning. Let's give him a big round of applause and thank you as he comes and shares. Thank you. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Well, that young man I gave notice about Alpha, I've not seen hair like that since the days of Michael Williams. Can you remember the gel boys? For those about 10 years ago, um, I came and I spent the whole weekend slagging off their hair. And on the Sunday night, they all got on me on the platform and covered my hair with gel. I've had prayer for it since then, so you will get better. It's just absolutely great to be here again. If you weren't here last night, we, uh, we, we talked a bit about um, taking hold of your tomorrows and the obstacles we have to overcome. And we talked a little bit about how the enemy produces Jericho's and how the only way we overcome them is by walking towards them in trust. We spoke about, talk about walking in trust. We spoke about being open to the Holy Spirit. And we talked about when God says shout, we have to be prepared to do something outside of our comfort zone if we're going to fulfill our destiny. And I, I want to talk this morning in a moment or two about something um, on the same line because I, I really do believe in destiny. And I do believe that so often things go wrong And um, one of the worst creations, I think, that man has ever made are landmines. And sadly, in Glasgow, where I live, um, a lot of ex-soldiers, I'm sure there must be some around here, I see people who who are great-looking young guys, and they're walking around with one leg or one arm or blinded because in the duty of serving the country, they're having a perfectly normal day and either a roadside mine or a landmine, they step on something and they go from being perfectly happy, joyful, looking forward to life, marriage, children, all the things that everybody wants in life. And in one second, they step on something. And when they step on it, their world explodes and it leaves them with the disabling scars, almost certainly, of losing capacity and limbs. I would say this. There are things that as Christians, we're going along, we're singing 10,000 reasons, and we're singing praises to God, and we think, wow, being a Christian is absolutely amazing, and we're going to take long eating for Jesus, and whatever. And then we can step on something, and suddenly, spiritually... We're never the same. And years ago in Glasgow, I I did a 12-part sermon on 12 different things. And last year, uh, as a result of some personal circumstances, um, I went back and wrote another sermon. And and I want to talk this morning about the landmine of disappointment. That when we have these wonderful expectations... That we, we're looking forward to something and we think, this great job, we're about to have the baby, we're about to get married and, and our marriage will last and it's going to be perfect and I'm going to have this and that job's going to be... And suddenly you step on something and everything goes wrong. The marriage ends, the child dies, um, the job you don't get, something happens, the partner you thought who was going to be faithful turns out to be unfaithful. Things happen out there and that's the point when you know what your faith is really all about because 
please hear me. I love my life. Life is exciting. But I've got to tell you, there's been times in my 50-odd years when I've stepped on disappointment. And uh, how you respond to disappointment will determine your destiny. Church is full of disappointed people who have quit their destiny and have settled for second best because they can't get over the damage. They are now walking with a limp because something's exploded in their life and they just can't get there. I wrote in my notes here, I'm going to talk in just a moment, a definition of disappointment is an emotional response to failed expectations. Disappointment is an emotional response to a failed expectations. And I, I thank God that in the Bible, sometimes he allows us to see people having bad hair days. One of the things that convinced me that the Bible was the word of God when I was a young Christian was it just didn't show people having wonderful, glorious, happy lives. It showed you their response to circumstances which when they were disappointed. But that's going to be in just a moment. But first, our whole ministry is really to help people to pursue of wholeness in Christ, to pursue the Father heart of God. And Margaret, who travels with me extensively, she doesn't speak as often, even though she's a better speaker than me, she's a teacher. Um, but she's, she's written four books, and I'd like her just to take just maybe three minutes just to talk about the resources with us. Would you welcome Margaret to the platform? Thank, thank you so much. Fantastic to be here. Just to mention the books at the back, when... Um, we left Derby. Kevin was assistant pastor in the Derby church up until 1990. And in 1990, we got a church of our own and it was in Glasgow. And when we got to Glasgow, it was very, very different from Derby or from Long Eaton. And I was very homesick and I was trying to be pastor's wife and I was just missing Derby and this area so much. And I had a friend who was called Sally. And I used to write to Sally every two weeks, every week or so. And um, I just used to write sort of how it was and how things were. And um, Sally, about five years ago, uh, phones me up and she said, Margaret, I'm moving house. I'm li- I'm, um, I found a lot of letters that you have sent me um, years ago. Would you like them back? And I said, oh, I'd like to read them. And, you know, it was amazing to read what I'd written just sort of six months after I'd left this area or so. And as I read them, I could see that God was teaching me really important things in my life, things that I still try and live my life by, principles. And these letters became a book, and the book is called Dear Sally. And things like events don't cause your feelings. It is your interpretation of events that cause your feelings. Things like if you're never stretched, if you're never feeling stretched, you probably not growing. Things like, if you want to be something you've never been before, then maybe we have to do something we've never done before. And just principles that seem so obvious, but so often we don't put in our lives. And and so so Dear Sally is 11 real life principles based on 33 letters that you read in that book about my journey for the first probably two or three years after we left here. If we'd not gone up though there, I, we were there in that church in Glasgow for 15 years. And I would have missed the most fabulous, marvelous, wonderful time of my life. And I am so pleased that I actually stepped out and did it. And that's how the white elephant 
was born, because this is based on 11 landmines, really. As Kevin was talking, I, I just thinking they are actually landmines. And so if God speaks to you this morning and you actually want some homework to do, then maybe the bookstall is the place to go. Things like dealing with shame, dealing with inferiority, working through loss, dealing with fear, actually knowing you are special to God, finding a perspective in problems, dealing with unforgiveness in your life and how to get past that, maybe forgiving yourself, maybe working through repentance, but just 11 principles of, um, of, of landmines that we can come across that we need to get over. And the white elephant and the seagull are um, the devotional books, really, as is Dear Sally, because in all the books that I've written, um, at the end of each chapter, there are prayers to pray and prophetic words to read in some of them and uh, verses to meditate on and some space to write your own personal devotional stuff. And so that's the white elephant and that's the seagull at the back there. They're more about landmines that we meet and, and um, devotional how to get over. And the latest one is called Great Thoughts from a Little Dog. And if you're a dog lover, then this book is for you, or if you know a dog lover. And because it's, it's really a month's devotional readings, and it's based on the Father heart of God and all the things that he does for you. You are loved. You are wanted. You are special. You know, all the, all the different things that God does for us because we are his children. You are enlightened. You are trained. You're an heir. You are healed, you are lifted, you are watched over. Just like one minute parable about, this is actually our dog on the front there. And it's a parable, a dog parable. And then it moves into the Father heart of God. And many people have actually bought them and given them to an unchurched dog lover. And we have seen people where they've been able to say here, you might like the dog stuff, you might not like the God stuff, but I thought of you, you know, somebody you live next to, somebody, but it's really for Christians, but I've written it in a way that unchurched people can enjoy it and maybe find God um, through doing that. And so those books are on the back there. Um, They are seven pounds each. So if you just sort yourself out with your change and things, that's absolutely fine. But um, if you feel you need some homework after today, um, then that's really why these books have been written. But again, I say fantastic to be here. We always love coming to um, your church and we're as excited as you are to be here. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Margaret. Round of applause. Thank you. Take my glasses off for a moment. I'm trying very focals. My very first week with very focals, and I'm, I'm going up and down, nodding my head, trying to see properly. But, but there we go. Comes to all of us. I'm, I'm thinking of going for contact lenses, but I'm too vain, so I won't do that. 1970. Some of you weren't born 1970. My first realization that disappointment can really get your life. I'm 16, 17 years of age. I've just got baptized. Sunday night, got baptized. I had this wonderful experience, and my word, it's, it's a great night when you get baptized, and I'm thinking, right, tomorrow morning, I'm going to the tool room, Derby Locomotive Works, for those who can remember Derby when they had a railway, uh, the locomotive works, I'm going to work, and I am convinced by about 10 o'clock, the whole tool room will be saved. I am, I've got this expectation in my heart that I've been baptized, I feel on fire for God, and I am going to turn every conversation round to Jesus. 
Because I'm sick of all the men in the locomotive works, all the men turn every conversation round to sex. It's an awful gift that men have when they're working together, the double entendre. I thought, I'm going to redeem the double entendre, and I'm going to get Jesus in. And so I get on the bus, and I'm looking for the first person to witness to, and no one's talking to me. So I get into work, I clock on, and I've got this expectation, I am going to be Billy Graham that day. And then I go to my toolbox, and I open the toolbox to get my tools out, and out falls five pornographic magazines. They're not mine. In case you're thinking at that point, phone John Glass. They're not mine. My so-called friends had planted them in the toolbox, and so as I opened the box and they all fell out, suddenly ten men gathered round me, set up, Oh, look at you, you dirty old man. Look at you. You're supposed to be a bleep Christian, aren't you? Look at that. You're just dirty. And my expectation of winning them for the Lord, I'm 16, 17 years of age. I do apologize, but I snapped. I went for the first one, and I got up against the wall, and I'm just about to punch him. I turned to the others who were laughing at me, And some words come out of my mouth that are not praise the Lord. And so at 7.35, I thought I was going to save the whole of the locomotive works. At 7.40, I'm in toilet block six, sat there on the toilet crying my eyes out because I have blown my testimony, which I think is forever. Disappointment. I'm disappointed in myself. I've let God down. It's my emotional response to my failed expectations. And guys, all the way through my life since then, I was 16 now, I'm approaching 60 years of age. And um, I've got to tell you, some of the greatest blessings are the times that you have to watch out the most for the explosion, it's because it's, the Bible says, beware lest you think you stand. It's those times when you think you are insurmountable, you are untemptable, you're some super, super duper, and then suddenly something hits you, and then what happens, you see, we all have a backstage and a front stage. I often use the illustration, I mean, you have an awesome band, the lights, they're working today, there was... There was one last night that wasn't working, and, and I think Annette was up the ladder this morning uh, with, with a stick, getting get the light out there. But this looks... You, I walked in last night, and it, the front stage, I thought, wow. They're saying it's like a fairly old church building, but I thought, this stage, it looks, it looks fantastic. But if you want to look backstage, if I pull back all... I won't pull back these curtains, but I go, and, oh, what's that? Adrian's money box. There's, there's some jars of gel behind there, if you want them. They're, they're left over from the glor- glorious four predecessors. You see, we all have a front stage. Sunday morning, 10,000 reasons. Oh, great singing. You can play the bands. I, I noticed the two girl singers. I think they had a bad night last night. They were, they were a bit serious looking up there. And the, and the, the tech, tech, technological guy over here. I mean, it must be a disappointment that God didn't bless you with the same hair as your brother. I don't know how you've coped with the small things. 
You see, you see but I, I don't know about you. There's small disappointments and big disappointments, small ones. I'm trying to lose some weight because I'm fat. And I've lost three stone. You wouldn't believe it. I've lost three stone. And I thought, I'm going to get on the scales. I finally made it. I'm going to be, I'm not Tim's shape yet, but one day I'll be, I'm sure one day my ribs will be found again. And so I'm on the scales and I'm getting weighed. I think, let's get out the BMI index because I've lost so much weight now. I must, I must, I must have lost something because I've been on the top end of the BMI index for years. And to my chagrin, the nurse said to me, Mr. Pete, you're still obese. I've lost three stone. I am convinced the BMI index was designed by Japanese pygmies. That's all I can say. Um, it, it's just, it, it, I'm, I'm, I'm so disappointed. You know, I'm not, but I'm not talking about something as small as that. I'm talking about things that really explode. I mean, I, I go to Weight Watchers in, um, so in fact, it's Slimming World, not Weight Watchers in Scotland. I get weighed and there's me and 50 women. It's quite an experience. <laughs> I have to pray for my safety whenever I go in there because th- th- these women all take off as much as possible before they get on the scales. <laughs> and, uh, and my word, there are some sites there that are under the blood. And, uh, and, uh, and I, I can always tell because... Because men are men, you see, men are more good game. Men will be saying, "Ah, hey, you put five pound on," and we'll have a joke about it. But women, it's, I, I watch, they they whisper. You can tell when the woman who's weighing you, they look up and go, "And I know you've put weight on," and normally burst into tears. No, that's only Scotland. But you see, this morning, this is my front stage. I'm on front stage. I'm on. I'm trying to communicate to all corners of the room. We've got all ages. We've got young children. We've got people had late nights last night. We've got people here who are probably in bad moods. You know, there's a whole variety. And so I'm trying to my front, my front stage is all about doing. And our front stage is all about our doing, our gifting, our personality. It's all about what we do in the light. But today, I'm going to ask us if we're brave enough to look a little bit backstage. Because backstage is all about our being, not our doing. It's all about our private world where no one sees us. It's all about sometimes the areas of darkness that we've touched and the messy. Because if you go backstage where all the wires are connected, it's incredibly messy. And if you're not careful, you'll trip over them. And I'll go as far as to say this this morning, guys. What happens backstage will either empower you or it will destroy you as a Christian. If we don't allow God to come backstage when we hit the disappointments, and if we try to just bury it all away and hide it all away and pretend we're not really carrying pain and hurt, that will eventually destroy us. And so I want to read Jonah, if I may, a couple of verses in Jonah, because we're just very privileged to go backstage just a little bit in one man's life here. If I had time, I'd go backstage with somebody else's life, but I'm not going to have time this morning. But in Jonah chapter 3, I'm going to read verse 10. Many of us know the first part of Jonah, where he should have gone off to Nineveh to preach, and he he runs away to Tarshish, and he gets swallowed by a big fish. We know all that story, but I'm sure that you know, if you've been a Christian, anything. he actually goes on and he declares what he's supposed to declare. 
And what an amazing, brave man he was. We often portray him as a coward. As we see in this story, he's not a coward. He goes to the... To this, imagine this morning if we were to say to somebody here, we, we, there's a word from God that you must go to Syria, get on a plane tomorrow, go to Syria, go to the heart of all the fighting and say to them, 40 more days and Syria will be overthrown. I mean, that's an amazing prophetic word to have. And he went, and as we've seen... Chapter 3, verse 10, God saw that they repented. But you see, Jonah didn't want them to be spared. Jonah wanted Nineveh destroyed. The Ninevites were not just a little bit off. They were incredibly evil people. They They were cannibals. They would sacrifice their children and eat them. That was, that, that, was, that was part of the, some of their ritualistic way of living. They were horrible people, and they deserved to die, but they repented. And it says in verse 10, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. you think Jonah would be cheering. He's gone to give the word, but God... In his grace and his mercy, heard their repentance, and he relented from destroying Nineveh. That's good news, surely. But it's not for Jonah, because we're now, we're now allowed backstage. We're, we're about to see this man's backstage, and as you will see, he wasn't a coward, as we read just the first five verses. It says, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I know you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take my life away from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter and he sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Please, Lord, just help me to unpack these few verses to this wonderful congregation today. Jonah wasn't a coward, guys. He didn't run away. He knew that God might relent and spare these people. He goes and he gives the prophecy. I want to say, here we see an emotional response. We see an emotional response to failed expectations. Jonah wants Nineveh killed. He wants it destroyed. God changes his mind. And now we see the inside. Let's go backstage to Jonah. And I would just urge you this morning, guys. I can't make you. It's a lovely day, beautiful day, nice. Want to get out and enjoy the sunshine. But I know that if you stepped on disappointment and backstage there's some damage, if we don't unzip our heart and allow God in, I'm telling you, I've lost some really good friends in ministry to disappointment. I've lost 
some people who I would class as close friends who could not deal with the disappointments of life that come their way. And for all of us, it's such an important... So the first thing I see here, first, the first thing is he, he blames God. I'm sure no one in Long Eaton ever blames God. If you really love me, Lord, this wouldn't happen. How come this side of the church always gets your prayers answered and this side, you don't get it? Have you ever, ever found that the thing you're praying for and it, you don't get it and someone jumps up and says, I've got the new job, double the pay, and you've been given a P40, don't come back. It's not fair. And sometimes when we get disappointed, almost the first port of call is we either blame the pastor or we blame God. And I realized very quickly in, when I became a minister and I was God's representative, the number of times I got the rap for God. It's been incredible over 30 years in the ministry. If God loved me, I, I remember one of the weirdest conversations I ever had with a young lady. She got pregnant and she was having an affair with, with a married man, and she said to me, how can God really love me? If God loved me, he wouldn't have got me pregnant. And I'm saying, excuse me, it was nothing to do with God. It was you two involved in sinful practices. But in her mind, if God really loved her, he would have stopped to get him pregnant. What kind of crazy theology is that? But you see, it's an emotional response to a failed expectation. Churches get disappointed. You know, the, 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 the project. I remember when I was pastoring in Glasgow and uh, we were trying to get this land next to the church. And my word, it was so difficult. And the prophets were saying to me, you're going to get the land. You're going to get the land. And I'd say, when? Well, God's not told us that. Got to just trust him. And, and I'm getting all, the, people are giving money, and it's just so difficult. And sometimes we just explode. And you see, this morning, I wonder whether there's something in, deep inside you're blaming God. You know, it's, it's obvious you're a very fertile church here. There's lots of children. It's fantastic. It's, it's great. I remember that there was a season in, in my life when, there was, when I was pastoring, there, was, there were certain ladies who were trying to conceive... And they would actually ask me when there was going to be a dedication so they wouldn't come to church because they'd be so disappointed seeing other children being dedicated. You see, blame can be so easy when something that you want, a failed expectation, the job, whatever, blame. The second thing we see here very quickly, is it right for you to be angry? Very often a very quick reaction to disappointment is you get angry. You get angry, not just at God, but... I mean, there's so many people out there who you meet who are angry people. They just had that very low threshold. I had a problem when I was younger. I, I, I was very prone to anger and outbursts. I mean, my, I used to play football. My record was opening in prayer for the Derby Youth for Christ football team at 10.30, and I was sent off at quarter to 11. <laughs> very embarrassing. This bloke kicked me, and I, I got up jumped up and I tackled him about this high and for about two seconds it felt wonderful until he gave me the red card and showed me off and all my friends looked at me, Kevin your temper is going to get you in such trouble. There was such an anger that was there 
And sometimes this emotional response that comes into our heart and anger becomes an issue. And I wonder, is there something in your heart and mind today where, you know, you see somebody else being blessed and you're just angry because it's not happened to you? I just, I don't know. Only you know what's happening backstage because you all look very calm, placid people to me. Um, Nobody here looks like they have a temper. Jenny might have a temper because I remember Jenny for many years ago. She had a great right hook. No, she didn't. I I don't know what happens, goes on once you go home from here when backstage kicks in. What happens backstage? Third thing I feel here, and this is what tends to happen within churches, he stops praying. You know, when he's in the belly of the fish, he's crying out to God to save him. He's He's not praying now. Prayerlessness kicks in. The biggest thing that used to bother me as a pastor, and I'm sure it probably gets to Adrian sometimes, is when the knock would come on the door. Pastor? Yeah, come in. What's the matter? I'm going through a few problems, so I'm taking time out. I won't be at church for a while. And I used to want to scream, that's the when you need time in, not time out. When the problems are happening, when the stuff's going wrong... That's the time we need each other. Listen to me. The devil's plan is isolation, annihilation. That's how he works it. He wants you to be separated from God. He wants you to be away from those things. And so that you can be picked off one by one. It's harder to pick us off when we're together, praying together and being in the Lord's presence. Nearly everybody I know in ministry who's fallen, when I've talked to them, about what's gone wrong, nearly always there's been something that's disappointed them and they stopped praying. When, when did you, when, when were you, what's your prayer life like? Not your corporate prayer life. Do you pray every day? Do you spend time talking to him? Because if you're disappointed, you know, it's a, it's a little bit like marriage, isn't it? I mean, I am I'm very, very, very happily married to Margaret and we very rarely have an argument. But um, sometimes, I, I used to hate it, well, when we were first married, when we weren't quite so, you know, we, we had the stuff, I used to hate silence, because I'm a talky person, but, but I used sometimes had to guess what was upsetting Margaret, just occasionally, because I'd say, what's the matter, you're not yourself, with? nothing, nothing, well, there, there is, there's obviously some, no, 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 I'm fine, no, you're not fine, you're not talking, what's the problem? She conquered that 20 years ago. She tells me now everything I do wrong whenever it is. So there's no issue there. But, so, but, but in those early days, it was a... I know I've done something I shouldn't have done, but I, I'm, I'm guessing. I've got to guess what it is. And there's something about talking. One or two of you nudging each other now. Stop it. There's, there's, there's this whole thing about talking is so important. You know, someone said many years ago, God has enough evidence to divorce us on the grounds of mental cruelty because we don't talk to him. And, you know, it's something that's, that's it's almost, you know, it's not cool. You know, I, go to, I, I love going to modern churches. I, I love the modern notices. If ever I went back to church, the first thing I'd have to do is employ an 18-year-old geeky boy who can work the computer because I can't even spell computer. But I know I'd have to get someone to do all the, the bells and the whistles and all the things to make sure, because that's what happens now. Very important you do it. But you know, sometimes we've got to remember the basics. We need to pray, guys. 
We need to talk. But when you're disappointed, let's be honest, we sometimes give God the silent treatment. What about a divided mind? Fourthly, this is a guy who says, I want to die. He says, it's better for me to die now. He wanted to live when he was in the whale. He's now wanting to die. Um, I found that disappointment affects your judgment making. This man, he loves God. He's gone, to, he's gone. He's a prophet. He's gone to deliver the word of God. He's now blaming God. He's angry at God. He stopped talking to God. And when those things happen, that's the point when you get a double-minded man. And the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of their ways. That's why you make strange decisions when things don't go your way. When things happen that can be difficult. He's in the whale, but now he's absolutely wanting to die. He's a double-minded man. And, you know, when you're disappointed, you think, I love God, I don't like God. I'm going to talk to God. I'm not going to talk to God. And life gets so confusing because disappointment, I'll say it again, it's all backstage. No one knows. Only God knows and you what's happening backstage. You can be the pastor of the church and be disappointed. You can be disappointed in your ministry. You can be disappointed in your congregation. You can be disappointed in the way people judge you. We, we, we all have this stuff, but, but people like myself who are very, have such a public figure, People don't know my backstage. I'm prone to anxiety. I get worry. There's things that, if you knew me well, that I'm not always the laughy, jokey, bubbly, public image. This, I'm quite a serious person behind stage. There's lots of issues that I carry and have to work my way through. Like I was saying yesterday, every step forward, I've had to fight another Jericho. To get to where I am in my ministry, I've had to pursue God and to keep talking to him and keep focused on him. And the final thing is this, and I would imagine no one's this, in this position today. What does he do finally? Disappointed people withdraw. He goes and sits. He leaves the city that he's just prophesied. And basically, I can see him. He builds a shelter. Right, let's see what God's going to do now then. I'm not going to tithe. I'm not going to worship. I'm, I'm just withdrawing my labor. I might pop in every now and again to keep me membership, but by word, I won't be at the prayer meeting, I won't be at the work party, I won't be up the ladder at seven in the morning mending the light. You're on your own, David. I watched last night, this man put nearly all the chairs out by himself. There's still 30 people and we all watched him put the chairs out. So I, I, I put three out, so, so guilt didn't bother me. Because you were just working away, everyone's talking, chatting, and the poor man's doing it all by himself. I thought, my word, they must pay him some money to do that. I don't know how it works. Or maybe just Sally told him, I don't know, I don't, David, get doing it. But so many people watch from a distance, and he's just watching. Disappointment makes you withdraw. It makes you, disappointment makes you don't, means you don't go forward for appeals. Disappointment means you don't have any expectations because they've been so broken, and so you just withdraw, and it's, it's like, well, let's see what the church does now. Go on then, Adrian, give, give me your best shots. Give us your best pastoral tricks. And when you're withdrawn and you're angry and disappointed and feeling all sorts of out of sorts, you see, but no one says that. No one verbalizes it, but it's what's happening inside, backstage. Jonah's backstage is being revealed. You know, 
in, in the books, there's one story I love to tell. Don't tell it very often. It's, it's about a lady called Mrs. Tate. I think in the book we call her Mrs. Treat, but her real name is Mrs. Tate. She's in heaven now. And um, my word, when I got to Glasgow, she was 82. I think she was about 82. And when I, my first night, she was the one who presented some flowers because she was saved under George Jeffries. She was the one, one of the original members of the church, 1928. And so she'd been there all those years. But as I got to know her, I realized this lady, I never heard her pray. She never read the Bible publicly. She never had a singing ministry. But my word, in heaven, I think she's got more crowns than I'll ever get. Because you see, everyone has a story, her story, how she handled disappointment. In the war, she had a, she was a married lady, had a son, and Clydebank, where she lived just outside Glasgow, was bombed by the Germans in 1941. And a bomb hit her house, and the roof collapsed on her son, and he lived, but he was left with severe brain damage. And so... When I got to the church, Kenneth was about 45 and um, probably had the mental age of a six-year-old, was prone to a little, a little bit aggressive. So he wasn't just a nice 45-year-old. You had to watch him very carefully. And Mrs. Tate had had to bring up this boy. What a disappointment for her. Just after the war, her husband got a headache. He was 37 and it turned out to be a brain tumor. And he died at 37 years of age to leave a widow with one son, severely disabled, and um, put the clock forward. The Glasgow church, if you went there this morning, there'd be 400 people at the church service, lovely building. We'd have all the bells and whistles. We'd have a great praise band. Might even be some people with gel on. I don't know, even though we did ban it at the end. Uh, but... It, we don't know, but it, you go to our church and you think, well, I think the offerings are about £5,000 a week in the offerings. It's a, it's a flourishing church. It's going. But back in the 70s, Glasgow Elam Church was down to 15 people. And Mrs. Tate was one of the founder members. Twice in a one-year period, they were about to close the church because there was not enough money to pay the electricity and the gas and Mrs. Tate, this lady who'd had a di nothing but disappointment on all of her life, I discovered after I got there twice, cancelled her one and only holiday a year. She cancelled it because the church was about to close. And she gave the church the money for the holiday to keep the church afloat. Isn't that staggering? She did that twice. If there's anybody who I know who could have withdrew and said, I can't take any more disappointment. Church, I've had to cope. Cope by yourself. What a, what a hero. I saw it as a little old lady, 82 years of age. She'd lived till she was 88. And you know, she talked to me, and she talked to me about the old days, and she said, Pastor, I've only got one big worry. I've got one big worry. She said, would you pray with me? She says, I'm really worried that I will die what will happen to Kenneth? She says, and, uh, she says, I know this may sound an awful prayer, but I'm praying that the Lord will take him before me because it's such a difficult situation. And you know, it was one of the weirdest prayers I ever joined to agreement with. But God answered that prayer. Kenneth caught a cold, 
when he was about 55 and just wonderfully just slipped into eternity. Three weeks later, his mum died and went to heaven. You see, I think God rewards those people who are faithful, but guys, if there's any person I know who backstage could have withdrew, got angry, blamed God, been disappointed, it was Mrs. Tate. You probably have your story as well as I've got my story. Margaret's got her story. We've had big disappointments. We've had people lie to us. We've had people, I'm not trying to be rude, but if I pulled up my spiritual shirt, there'd be several scar marks where I've been stabbed in the back by Christians, where people have done things to me that they should never have done. People have accused me of things I've never done. I've had disappointments, and it hurts. But guess what? I've discovered that there, even though emotion, disappointment is a very big emotion, there is a bigger one. There's a more powerful emotion than disappointment. And that's the power of love. My Bible says, 1 John 4, verse 18, perfect love casts out all fear. I think it also casts out disappointment. I've discovered something that today, you ladies, if you went home and you'd got a five-year-old child in the house and you are terrified of fire and you arrived home and you looked up into the bedroom where your child was sleeping and you saw smoke coming out of it, even though you are terrified of fire, I'm telling you, you'll, pass, you'll go past any fireman, you'll knock the door down, you'll climb the stairs, you'll get through the fire, you'll get your child. Why? Because you love it. It's yours. There is an emotion. And you see, if this morning we're going to say, well, you've, you've given us a problem, Kevin. Well, how do we solve it? You've got to let God backstage. You've got to take the risk, faith risk of saying, God, because I know disappointment. It's, it's very precious when you're hurting. It's very precious when you've got an emotional response. It's, you know, you didn't get the job. No one's noticed you're gifted. Uh, things that happen, as I say, divorce. I could go through a whole list of stuff that can happen to us that we've stepped on, and our emotions are crying out, I'm angry, God's fault, I'm not going to pray, I'm going to withdraw. That's what our insides scream out to us. But the truth is, it's the love of God that we need. It's to bathe again in the fact that there is one thing, I think it was James Jordan that often says, the Father heart of God is not a theology on the bookcase alongside the Holy Spirit and salvation and eschatology. The Father heart of God is the bookcase. It is the, that's what everything holds us back, holds everything together to know that you're really loved. You know, I used to have a real big strong fear of man. And I, I used, when I went to the ministry, I tried to please everybody. I, I would try to be everyone's friend. But when you're a leader, that step's a bit tough when you've got false knees. <laughs> it's, it's got two artificial knees, a life of prayer is what happens. But, you know, along the way there, it was very difficult because I look around and I see so many different faces and styles. And some would like shorter worship, some would like longer worship, some would like Bible studies, some want more impartation, fire meetings. Some said, let's have more pro prophetic utterance. We need more prophecy in this show. No, we'd, we need less prophecy. We'd like just one or two of them to come true that we've had so far, please, and along the way. But you, you know, guess what? I, I, lost, I went gray trying to please people. 
But there comes a point when you've got to please God. And this is not a job to be popular. Um, because I tell you, once you become a leader, there's always someone to tell you that you're doing it wrong. And they may be right. But as far as I know, we're doing our best. And if our best isn't good enough, I'm sorry we can't do more than our best. But you see, inside here, at 42 years of age, 42, I'm so thick. I'm from Derby. Derby County supporter. Explains it. But I've given up now. I'm a Rangers supporter. Even they're awful. But at 42 years of age, it finally went from here to here. It took 42 years to get the theology that God loves me to the reality of believing it. Changed my life forever. And I stand here. This sermon came out of me being disappointed. This came out of me asking a question. Why do great men lose their ministry and great women? And I, God gave me this, this sort of the thoughts about the backstage, the front stage. Everything looks great on the front stage, but all the problems are backstage. And that's what gets neglected. And that's what's the cause of your eventual demise in leadership if you don't deal with the backstage. Because you get hammered by Satan. You get hammered by people. And if you don't deal with the disappointment, you just close down and you withdraw. And so you become very hardened. I remember to my shame, when I went to Elim conferences in the early days, before, before, before the revelation of the Father, I used to skip the worship. Because I don't need to worship. I'm a pastor. I don't need to worship. I mean, that's just, that's just for the people in the pews. I'm going to go into R.T. Kendall. I'm going to hear the word. I mean, what arrogance. What hardness of heart that I had because I was disappointed. Let's pray. You've listened so well. Let's just pray. Let's just pray together. That's quite a strong word for this Sunday morning. We laughed a lot last night. We may laugh some more this evening. But that's the word I put on, God put on my heart. I knew I was going to speak on that this morning. Let's just close our eyes, guys. Hallelujah. Let's just take a moment just to all, the, all of the stuff, all the jokes, whatever, put them all to one side because what's happening backstage in the heart of the people here this morning? Is there one or two of us here, if we're honest, we could say things are going amazingly well, but we've stepped on something that's really disappointed us. We were flying this time last year. You would never respond to this appeal because I tell you, things are great. God's on the throne. You love Jesus. Everything's wonderful. The kids are great. The marriage is awesome. The job's great. The ministry's working well. And everything's great. But suddenly, something's happened. And internally, you've realized that you've responded emotionally. And maybe the disappointments turn to blaming God. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you stop praying. Maybe you've got a divided mind. Maybe the truth is you've withdrew and hide. But the wonderful news this morning is if we'll let Jesus and let God into our backstage, I am confident that God can start the process of lifting disappointment out of our hearts. And here's how I want to, re- to, to just apply this today. I'm not going to invite anybody forward. Our time is almost gone. I'm not going to get anyone even to, to, even to lift your hand. Because this is a very private moment.
But I would ask you to close your eyes because the response I would ask in just a moment, if this morning you sat here and you say, Pastor Kevin, would you include me in your final prayer for the start of the revelation of letting the love of God into my heart to deal with this stuff? Would you do something for me this morning? I'm going to ask you in just a moment, if this is a word for you, to look at me, catch my eye, and once you catch my eye, then close your eyes again, because it's a very private moment, because disappointment is such a disabling. God doesn't want you to walk with one spiritual leg. He wants you to walk and enjoy this life that God has given you. So as every eye is closed, please, if this is a word this morning, you're saying, you're talking to someone, see someone there, God bless you, looking at me. Just close your eyes, God bless you, God bless you, close your eyes, okay, great. Just looking around, God bless you, close your eyes again, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you there, God bless you. See those eyes, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you there, God bless you, God bless you there, God bless you. God bless you there. See you. Just close your eyes. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you there. God bless you. God bless you. You know, the first step of getting rid of anything is to recognize we have a problem. God bless you. See you there. Is there anybody else who I've missed? I'm looking at the back. God bless you there. See somebody else looking. Close your eyes again. I said last night, One of the phrases I kept repeating, can we trust God when we can't trace him? Do we trust him when we can't trace him? That's that's a $64,000 question. The fact that you've looked up is a wonderful first step. And now it's the process of opening up to the inside. I will certainly, alongside with Margaret and Adrian, will be available in hell, and I'm sure at the end, to pray with anyone who would like some personal prayer. We'd love to pray with you. But right now in faith, we're going to ask God that love would just begin to descend in this place. And let me just tell you, one or two of you, I can see tears in your eyes. Just feel absolutely free. I really believe tears are one of God's greatest healing tools. We're praying a simple prayer. We've prayed, I'm not trying to exaggerate, it must be nearly a million times now after 20 years. We pray a simple prayer. Good stuff in bad stuff out. And Father, I thank you for the wonderful honesty of these long-eaten people who've just looked at me, probably two-thirds of the church have just looked at me, Lord, and to say that they've stepped on something in the last little while. It could be weeks. It could be days. It could be months. Or Lord, it could even be for some years. And Lord, we were going really well, and something happened, and our backstage reacted Lord and we just come before you and say Lord we recognize that we've made some errors of choice here and Lord when we've blamed you and judged you and got angry at you and Lord when we stopped praying and not talking to you and Lord the fact that we've had the, the divided mind and Lord some of us have even just we just say with, with, with withdrew labor We've, we've metaphorically gone and sat on a hillside and say, let's just watch. I'm not going to take part in anything else. I'm just going to watch what happens. And Lord, we thank you that at the end of the story, you move graciously in Jonah's life and you teach him an amazing lesson.
And I just pray, Lord, you know, other than being a Christian, the greatest revelation I've had is the unconditional love of the Father that has brought so much of my disappointment to disappear. And Lord, I am just a very simple guy from Derby. And if you can do it for me, you can do it for these people, Lord. I I do not need to know what their disappointment is, Lord. You know. And right now, we allow you. We say, Holy Spirit, will you come backstage? We take that risk of opening up our emotional being and say, would you just come, Holy Spirit? Would you just come? Would you just begin to swill backstage where the boxes have been left and where those wires are and where where the rubbish of yesterday is all buried away backstage? And we say, Holy Spirit, would you just come and wash backstage? And Lord, we just say again, it's just absolutely safe place to be in touch with our emotions right now it really hurt us Lord we got so angry it seems so wrong and Lord we just say Lord would you come by your love and would you help us Lord to get off the hill and to start the journey back into the city and Lord engage again with life and ministry and the church, and you, and that, Lord, we make a decision that we're going to start to talk to you again today, Lord. We're going to begin to start to talk these things over and come to you and share our deepest needs. And, Lord, we say no area is off limits. Just come, Lord, to the deepest wounding of our disappointments and begin to lift it, Lord. Begin by the power of your love, perfect love, Human love, as wonderful it is, is imperfect. And I just pray over this room right now, there'll become a weight of love. And that somehow it will begin to dissolve the disappointment. And Lord, where there has been disability, there will be a restoration of ability. That where we've not been walking right we'll begin to get a wonderful gate where our heads have been downcast we'll start to look up again from whence comes our help Lord I make some amazing claims on your behalf and all I know Lord in my life you have kept every one of your promises and I just pray Lord for these wonderful people Lord I don't know them but I am feeling a father's love for them right now Some of them have had some horrendous marriage situations. Some of us have had some staggering family disappointments. Precious children gone to drugs. Stuff that's really, 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 really hurt them deeply. Friends have betrayed them. I can feel all of that in my own spirit, Lord. And I just really pray, Lord, it's almost overwhelming. But Lord, I just pray for these dear people that you are the answer. And I pray, Father, that your love is sufficient. And I pray tonight, Lord, we may have longer to pray. And if we can be together tonight for more prayer, that will be great. But Lord, I pray that right now you'll seal this word because I know the birds of the air will try to steal it away and the enemy will try to load us with disappointment again before we even get to the car. 
But Lord, we decide today, this is the start of getting better. This is the day that we decide, we choose to forgive, we choose to allow you into all areas. And I pray in Jesus' name that your love will triumph over disappointment. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening so well. If this is something you're interested in, would advise you to look at those books at the end. But Adrian, back to you. We appreciate Kevin this morning, Margaret this morning, and sharing, inspiring, and challenging us. As Kevin said, Kevin and Margaret are with us tonight. That's our, our, our last meeting with us over this weekend. And uh, there'll be an opportunity for individual prayer as well. There'll be more time, perhaps. And we really do look forward to seeing you, an opportunity to pray together with you. God bless you.